Look, Bumble knows you're exhausted by dating. All the, must not take yourself too seriously, and 6-1 since that matters, and what do I even say other than, hey? <sighs> well, that's why they're introducing an all-new Bumble. With exciting features to make compatibility easier, starting the chat better, and dating safer. They've changed, so you don't have to. Download the new Bumble now. Welcome to another episode of Talking Fast, a Gilmore Girls podcast. I'm Suzanne. And I'm Alexis. And we're two longtime fans of the show, and we're excited to rewatch and recap it along the way. This week, we're recapping Season 1, Episode 17, Breakup Part 2. Netflix bio for this one reads as, After recent events, Rory keeps busy, refusing to give in to self-pity. Meanwhile, Stars Hollow residents rally around her, much to her dismay. (laughs) It seems like the description didn't want to get into spoilers. (laughs) like certain events (laughs) but but the title of the episode itself is a major spoiler so I was kind of having mixed feelings looking at those yeah seriously I have known that this episode was coming but I still like it's still a a hard episode Mm -hmm. not I don't know it's not hard like the episode with all the fights and stuff it's just like a I don't know a lot happens and kind of quiet ways if that makes any sense I don't know we'll see <laughs> I don't, I had a lot of fun in a weird way I think I was enjoying the drama of it all and some of it wasn't mm. as bad as I expected I mean it was bad don't get me wrong but I feel like we've yeah experienced worse <laughs> yeah I did actually like laugh out loud at one point in this episode mm-hmm. which I don't think I've done for a while <laughs> yeah I had two moments of laughter like major mm-hmm. laughter actually but it's promising <laughs> yeah <laughs> okay should we get right to it and start with her talking fast oh gosh yes let's do it okay are you ready yep okay three two one go so we start off right after the breakup and uh, Lorelai is trying to convince Rory to wallow, but Rory doesn't want to wallow. So the next morning she wakes up with a list of things that they have to do around town. And it's a lot of random shopping and stuff. And they try to go to Luke's, but Rory refuses to go on any of their regular paths. And then they get to Luke's and the news has already spread across town. Who knows how? <laughs> and um, th- then uh, Rory decides to go to a party that night with Lane and Lorelai goes and <laughs> Okay, that's good. <laughs> uh, okay, <laughs> there's still a lot in there. Mm-hmm. Okay, are you ready to pick up the slack? <laughs> <laughs> Don't be so hard on yourself, but sure, I'll try. <laughs> okay, ready and go. Yeah, so we're picking up post breakup. There's disagreements between Lorelai and Rory about how to get over a breakup, and it's compounded by the fact that Lorelai realizes she's not really over Max, so she goes to visit him. They hook up. They decide to keep talking. Meanwhile, Rory goes to Chilton as a way to kind of try to cope, and she ends up kissing Tristan at that party. Lane meets a new guy, Henry. And Suki and Jackson are cooking. Well, Jackson's cooking. Suki's mad about it. <laughs> <laughs> that was good. Thanks. 
Mm-hmm. I also love that you got in the Suki and Jackson part, which was a great scene. <laughs> yeah, like Lorelai went to just ask Suki to borrow her car, so it really could have been any kind of scene from like nothing to what we got, which was everything. <laughs> Such a delightful <laughs> display of their relationship and its uniqueness. But uh, we're yeah. getting ahead, so we can slow down and go in more of a, a chronological order. I think listeners would appreciate that. <laughs> um, so breakup part two. Same scene. We pick up in the same scene. I don't know if we've seen that before. I think it's kind of cool and yeah. shows you that. It's very dramatic, I feel. <laughs> yeah, it really makes it feel like there was a cliffhanger and a lot of the time with this show we've like picked up a week later or a couple weeks later or we just don't know the time frame Mm -hmm. so this yeah it's nice to know that we are like the exact moment last episode Mm -hmm. ended nothing has happened there's been no progression Mm -hmm. so yeah we get to see what happens I feel like it's a sign of a complicated storyline to be like we couldn't even end it there. You know, we had to continue it across another episode. Uh, and it, that can that that method can, I think, serve a story. Like in this moment, I think it worked. And sometimes I think it's like a method that does not work. Like The Bachelor keeps trying yeah. to do this <laughs> the past few seasons, have a cliffhanger before a rose ceremony, um, which just ignores the structure of their episodes. We could talk too, mm-hmm. way too much about that. <laughs> And then they give trailers that spoil the rose ceremony. So, right. Okay. Anyway. Yeah. It's, yeah. But we already. <laughs> but it know works there's, here. There's no rose for Rory and Dean because they've yeah. broken up. <laughs> uh, and in this this com this continued conversation between Lorelai and Rory, it goes in a direction I wasn't initially expecting because last mm-hmm. episode closed on this hug, this really close moment between them. But then when they break away in this episode, we see that Rory is not really willing to share information with Lorelai yet about what has happened. And this whole conversation between them is really Rory kind of panicking uh, while also not wanting to like disclose anything that happened. So Lorelai is really questioning her like, did he try to push you to go too far? She was really trying to just sort out, but no answers are provided in this evening. Mm-hmm. And we'll see that this kind of reluctance on Rory's part leads Lorelai to thinking that Dean broke up with Rory mm-hmm. as like something was wrong with Rory, mm-hmm. um, which wasn't quite the case. But <laughs> yeah, I... I thought this was an interesting scene and we get a lot of like the little memorabilia and stuff Mm -hmm. from Rory and Dean's relationship it's all boxed up along with what was the chicken's name like Colonel Cluck or something like that yeah anything he looked at or touched (laughs) like it's a really wide net she throws away a brand new sweater (laughs) yeah because he liked it yeah and that the sweater as well as Lorelai's efforts to find out information and to comfort Rory are related to my Friday night dinner critique. I actually struggled to pick a moment for the critique, so this is a bit arbitrary in a sense, and I don't want to repeat what we've said too much, but this was a continued um, critique of the jokes that they include that I think we've pointed out are just in poor taste mm-hmm. and wouldn't be included to today. So the example from this opening scene is that Rory points out the sweater and she says she wants to throw it away because Dean said 
she looks beautiful in it. And then the follow-up line is that he said she her eyes looked really blue. And Lorelai says, well, that means he's gay. So just like an, yet another thoughtless, not funny line um, meant to like service the whole Lorelai trying to cheer up Rory after this breakup thing, but really just like um, this continued homophobic kind of joke that's included without much thought, like I said. I don't want to repeat what we've already like, I think successfully made this critique. So now it's just to the point of keeping tabs on it, basically. Yeah, I agree with that. I feel like a lot of the problem in this joke specifically was like the person saying it and the Mm -hmm. audience. Like I could see this kind of joke working with um, a completely different audience Mm -hmm. and like somebody... (laughs) somebody maybe who is actually gay saying it yeah so it's not so much like Lorelai just stereotyping people Mm -hmm. that could have been more funny but in this case she's just doing it to get a reaction and Mm -hmm. we we know it's just stereotyping Mm -hmm. so yeah I I agree I was disappointed to already have another one of those so soon Mm -hmm. after our last one (laughs) and it doesn't really get much of a reaction out of Rory which is good but of course she's not reacting to very much Mm -hmm. we get well rory asks lorelei to get rid of her box of paraphernalia um lorelei says that she will she says um it'll sleep with the fishes which i thought was a fun line Mm -hmm. (laughs) but in the end she ends up just putting it in the closet and hiding it um this kind of gives like a bit of foreshadowing and also just another point of view of how Lorelai's reacting to the situation, which is she doesn't necessarily think maybe it's over mm-hmm. completely between them, or she thinks that maybe Rory's overreacting or something like that when she'll regret getting rid of all that stuff in the future. So I thought that that was a cool little sign of Lorelai just kind of making sure that Rory would have what she needed in the future even Mm -hmm. and still what she needs at the moment which is to not see the fancy dress and everything yeah which is sad yeah I think (laughs) nice dress (laughs) yeah we'll see a lot of Lorelai attempting to like counsel or advise or help Rory get through this breakup throughout this whole episode and this is a good early instance of that like yeah you in the the heat of the moment she never wants to see these things again but Lorelai from her own experience knows that might not be the case for example that Mm -hmm. brand new sweater (laughs) maybe you'll be willing to wear it again someday (laughs) hopefully um the so Lorelai basically says go to bed Rory you know like clearly they're not getting anywhere on this topic that night and this proceeds to the next scene in which Rory wakes up Lorelai at six o'clock in the morning on a Saturday. Disturbing. <laughs> humane. I know. Disturbing what I think Lorelai points out to be a very good schedule for the weekend, which is that Saturday is for pre-rest and Sunday is for rest. <laughs> and you need the pre-rest to make sure that you're well rested to enjoy your second day of rest, which I, I love. agree. <laughs> yeah. I always feel like weekends should be three days ideally Mm -hmm. because you need to like run all your errands and do your laundry and stuff but then you do need those two days of rest completely (sighs) Mm -hmm. and god forbid you like go away for the weekend or something and that throws off everything (laughs) 
Yeah. Then it's basically like working two weeks straight without a break. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but poor Lorelai, I Waking up at 6 a.m. on a Saturday is just is very rough. And she looks she looks very angry about it Mm -hmm. or just kind of like flabbergasted that it's happening. Yeah. But Rory like starts setting out her clothes and everything. And soon we go downstairs and see that she's completely rearranged the entire living room to in a completely like illogical way with everything facing away from the TV and the sewing bust like just out in the middle of the floor <laughs> um which Lorelai rightly questions as soon as she comes downstairs is uh, a bit confused about how they're going to watch watch TV yeah and we clearly quickly discover Rory's plan for getting over this breakup is to make herself as busy as possible and this sets into motion this like continued conversation between Lorelai and Rory about like how best do you grieve a relationship and move on heal from the breakup and I think it's like it's not so easy to say like Lorelai's right Rory's wrong (laughs) but uh I think we'll 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 see it will kind of figure out Rory's method like No, she doesn't have to wallow exactly like Lorelai would suggest, but her method, she really is not processing or dealing with anything. It's more so like burying it and it's Mm -hmm. bubbling up in bad ways later on. We'll see, but I did think it was a good, like a good theme of the episode, the conversation of how do you heal from a relationship? Um, It could look like a lot of different things. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I think we could also question whether... Lorelai's tactic is actually successful, at least in her case, mm-hmm. but I agree. I'm kind of of the mind that, like, you do whatever you have to in the moment, mm-hmm. which I think is exactly what Rory's doing, but at the same time, there's only so long you can keep doing everything, like, keeping yourself as busy as possible. Right. And as we see by the end of the episode, like, that catches up with her. Mm-hmm. She can't go shopping forever. <laughs> Though no. maybe Emily would help her with that. <laughs> That's a good point. So after Lorelai agrees to do the list with Rory, um, I think we mentioned that the list is what Rory has created to like give herself a schedule throughout this whole day. And so the first thing on that list would naturally be going to Luke's for breakfast and coffee right (laughs) but this is complicated by the fact that Rory is not willing to go by the school or by the market and this was the sign that to me like oh it's not just about keeping yourself busy this is a sign that it's not quite healthy if it's like preventing you from doing like a normal routine that's when Mm -hmm. maybe something needs to be processed I'm no professional therapist or anything (laughs) like that but (laughs) they end up having to go through this alley full of um, garbage it seems like and the lighting is not very good in the scene at all so I was like what set is this it seemed to be a struggle to film in it but it was it was funny it was also strange like what why was that alley there I mean I know in every town there's gonna be some places that are like less kept up or something but it almost looked like that was just like a an in-town landfill type thing where people are just dumping their mm-hmm. trash and they're not in a city so mm-hmm. 
it's not like it'd be an alley where trash is picked up from so I was very Mm -hmm. confused about the whole logistics of that (laughs) I just had a thought what if that is the alley that is transformed into that alley bar in the revival wouldn't that be a fun backstory that'd be cool Um, I did like their conversation in this alley, though. Rory posits that you can learn a lot about people from looking at their trash, which I thought was very true, very astute. Mm -hmm. She talks about, like, you learn about their eating habits and what they are doing, like, if they're paying their bills on time and stuff like that. And I'm pretty sure that's what archaeologists do Mm -hmm. for people long past if i remember my intro to archaeology classes and all of the archaeology i have to read for my dissertation correctly (laughs) um one of the places that people find the most information like the most artifacts and stuff is in the trash heaps of old towns Mm. because you can find like broken pottery and stuff that was thrown out into a trash heap and the different kinds of food and all that kind of stuff so, like, in a in the rest of the town where people, if they left, they probably took their stuff with them or it was nicer things so they'd handed it down generations, you wouldn't really have artifacts from that, but from a trash heap you would. So I feel like Rory here is really, you know, showing that she could be an archaeologist in the future. <laughs> yeah, maybe she'll consider that path if her Gilmore book doesn't work out yeah. in the end. <laughs> Uh, so they make their way through the archaeology potential trash heaps of the alley. <laughs> and they do safely arrive at Luke's where we find Rachel acting as the waiter in the scenario. Or not waiter. I, I guess I don't know what Luke is really. Because he kind of like waits tables but also takes orders. And I, either way, she's working at Luke's. <laughs> And wearing this, like, red and black and white flannel, which my hypothesis Mm -hmm. is that's, like, Luke's shirt, right? I mean, Mm -hmm. come on. Like, who do we see wearing flannels? Yeah. (laughs) But Luke's is more crowded than we have ever seen because Rory says this is the 6 a.m. crowd, which is apparently a thing. Mm -hmm. Weird. (laughs) And they sit down, Rory and Lorelai are talking. Rory has this premonition that everyone knows that she's gone through the breakup. Lorelai assures her, no, no one knows. But she seconds later goes to talk to Miss Patty, who asks her about the breakup. And this was like one of those moments where I'm like, is it feels like it's not a real town. It feels like the minute it happened, every <laughs> person there just magically knew, you know, because mm-hmm. I'm like, realistically miss patty would not know like rory didn't tell lord i didn't tell are you telling me dean told miss patty or i don't know but it's it's like an uncanny effect almost maybe he told his sister who Mm -hmm. had dan's class with miss patty Mm -hmm. at 5 a.m and she told yeah or he told his mom maybe she goes (laughs) to that like sunrise yoga at miss patty's i guess we can like we could trace it if we needed to (laughs) I had my Stars Hollow moment in this scene. It wasn't the Miss Patty moment, but it was when Kirk comes over and is like talking to Rory and kind of he wants to apologize for not having noticed about this floppy haired guy Mm -hmm. and like what a bad sign he was. And this is this felt more like Kirk to me than some of the other scenes we've had of him recently. Um, But it also just (laughs) 
it kind of shows how protective the town is of Rory. Mm-hmm. Um, I thought it was cute, especially because Kirk wouldn't leave without Lorelai accepting the apology. It was just like an awkward, awkward time for everybody involved, which is exactly what Kirk brings to a scene awkwardness yeah this felt like much truer to the essence of kirk that we know and love i think Mm -hmm. uh my gazebo moment was actually in this scene too with the one other main character we haven't addressed yet luke um i this was one of my like laugh out loud kind of moments where lorelei informs luke that Dean broke up with Rory and I my favorite part was Luke's reaction to this uh we've seen this before this like overprotectiveness of Rory in a way that's done that I like still at this moment I don't know if I'll always like it it might feel a little like paternalistic or something at a certain point but here it's like I I just love it he's like I knew that kid was trouble um (laughs) does he think he's gonna do better than Rory good riddance he says good riddance in a variety of languages, including including hasta la vista. <laughs> I, I, I just, I love the anger. And at one point he's like, I swear I'd love to, but he like cuts himself off from like, you know, a physical threat toward Dean. And instead mm-hmm. he finishes with like, I'll add whipped cream to the pancakes. So I just love <laughs> oh. like the display of affection through the whipped cream and the chocolate chip pancakes that Lorelai requested for Rory. Later on, we do see the physical part, uh, which I have mixed feelings about. I think it, I think it was mostly funny. Um, I guess we could just go there. I think like yeah. uh, Luke sees Dean out the window, and Dean is coming in for coffee, and Luke like rushes outside, uh, says, "You can't come in here," and they start like fumbling around. I can't even call it a fight, truly. Uh, but just like pushing each other. Yeah, and then Luke does kind of get. Dean in a headlock which is pretty funny physical humor and it results in Luke saying he started it which is like so childish (laughs) um I think that's why I kind of liked it I thought the tone was um pointing out that this was childish defense of Rory Mm -hmm. in this way rather than being like oh the masculine thing to do is to go beat up someone's ex-boyfriend like it didn't take that tone I don't think yeah this was actually my gazebo moment Yay. was this fight. Not not necessarily like the fighting mm. part of it, but when uh, Lorelai and Rory were sitting inside and like through the window you see Luke and Dean like yeah. fighting with each other. And then when Lorelai's pulling Luke off and she has to like, uh, Luke or Dean tries to walk past him again and Luke's darts out for him again. And then <laughs> Lorelai has to pull him back again. It was just like... Mm-hmm. A whole bunch of kind of yeah physical comedy she Lorelai did bring up a great point which is Dean is only 16 so that was definitely not a great thing for Luke to do no you know attack a child basically <laughs> um but it was pretty funny and I felt like yeah the the main reason of it was just overprotectiveness of Rory absolutely which was cute I mean yeah I guess we could probably critique it but I just enjoyed it. I thought it was funny. I know. I chose not to. I have that option. Yeah. (laughs) We can do what we want on our own podcast. It's true. (laughs) So they continue with their list off screen. When we return to the next scene, uh, they're returning home. Babette rushes in as well, hoping to provide advice to Rory because she's known a lot of truly awful (laughs) men, she says. 
<laughs> she was pushed out of a moving car once. Oh I want to know more about Babette's Babette. history. Yeah. I want a Babette and Miss Patty spinoff. Yeah, that's what we need. <laughs> yeah. It'd be kind of like a, I don't know, like maybe a Golden Girls type thing. Just probably a little bit more more raunchy than all four of the golden girls were but <laughs> which is I mean, saying something. i guess <laughs> i know i've only i've only seen like maybe the first few seasons of that show so i can't really talk to the whole thing mm. but at this point rory um avoids but that she doesn't want to have a conversation about her breakup so she goes into her room and lays down on the bed and she starts to wallow <laughs> mm-hmm. but she catches herself and at this point, she, like, looks in her book bag and pulls out the flyer for Madeline's party that we heard about last episode. And I think this is a sign, you know, this is when we know she's truly down you know, from a breakup to, like, she chooses to go to this Chilton party. Like, you yeah. have to be in a low place. <laughs> yeah, seriously. I would have been like Paris. I would have had to be forced to go and then I'd be watching my clock the whole time yeah I was gonna ask if you went to any parties in high school I I didn't go to this kind of party most of the kinds of I I wouldn't even call them parties that I went to in high school I would just go to a friend's house with maybe like four or five other people and drink and watch movies (laughs) So I wouldn't even call it a party like this. I definitely avoided parties like this, like the plague. That would be torture for me. Did you go to any big parties? Not not really. It was similar to just hang out with my friends. And I was I barely even knew about the existence of parties that were going on with like my school didn't even truly have a popular clique like you would see in the movies, but there were definitely like groups of people that I would say maybe had more social status if we were to push that or whatever um but (laughs) I guess they had parties I feel like I've heard about them a little bit more now after the fact but they were not even on my radar and I don't know I don't want to say I shouldn't I don't want to reveal too much that would get me in trouble (laughs) or anything but my I think my first drink I ever had uh my family took my older sisters and I on like a senior trip to Greece uh, which was really really super cool and the drinking age there like my parents allowed me to have a few drinks while we were all like Mm -hmm. on the trip so my first drink was like a like a mango mojito or something it was actually like a fantastic (laughs) like a drink that actually tastes good it wasn't like UV blue (laughs) vodka and lemonade or something which I did have shortly thereafter but not on that trip, but um, I was not much of a party goer. I think my first drink of alcohol was probably some hard liquor, and then my friends and I would just like most of the time we had this one friend whose parents were never around, and mm-hmm. they always had a full liquor cabinet, so mm-hmm. we would just like mix stuff. It was terrible. I remember throwing up so much. <laughs> a bad idea. Don't do that children (laughs) yeah we know we've seen our stats we know we have some younger listeners Mm -hmm. learn if you're gonna drink (laughs) stick to one liquor at a time okay (laughs) (laughs) that's funny I definitely did not have anyone at my high school that had a house like Madeline Mm -hmm. though yeah same it was like palatial as Rory and Lane point out when they get there but (laughs) 
we had one more scene before they actually arrived at the party, or maybe a couple scenes actually. What a packed episode. <laughs> We get to see them, or Lane and Rory, getting ready. And this is where I put my Lorelai's closet moment mm. for Lane's hair specifically, which was like that one, that style that everybody wanted to have <laughs> but could never achieve on their own, which is just like straight until like the last two inches. And then they're extremely flipped out in mm. the last couple inches. And it's impossible to do I remember when I was in elementary school I wanted this hairstyle so much but I would like curl the ends and then I would just curl inward mm. or I, I I didn't use enough hairspray or something I don't know it's, it's an impossible style but I love down lane maybe mm-hmm. she probably just has thicker hair and that probably helps but yeah yeah I loved it <laughs> and the benefit of a whole styling team that's true. <laughs> to like refresh them if the curls do fall out they just probably have a hot curling iron ready to go mm-hmm. <laughs> i agree true. it's cute it's cute um besides you know the hair and the getting ready the scene only the only other thing i would point out is that rory catches sight of the cornstarch you know iconic mm-hmm. cornstarch practically a character in the show uh she realizes she forgot to throw it away so lorelei takes it and she puts it back in the box in the closet because the box is not with the fishes, like she told Rory. <laughs> and mm-hmm. while she's doing that, she catches a glance at her own box, which I think we can assume is her Max box or just a boyfriend box in general that has mm-hmm. some of Max's stuff in it, um, including the book that shall not be named because we already named it enough times <laughs> <laughs> that she had tried to return to him. Uh, and she like starts to reminisce and this is also related to the fact that at the diner earlier Rory had asked Lorelai how did she get over Max how long did it take her and Lorelai wasn't able to provide an answer and it's made her realize I think alongside seeing the box that like oh Mm -hmm. I she misses Max you know which we'll see later we'll learn more about that (laughs) yeah I also wondered and we kind of talked about this last week, mm-hmm. um, whether Rachel's appearance has anything mm-hmm. to do with this, like, reinvigorated thoughts for Max, especially because, as you mentioned, she was, like, wearing Luke's clothes. She was working in the diner. Like, she was, she very much had a claim on mm-hmm. Luke that morning. So I wonder if that kind of subconsciously got into Laurel. I also was like she needs to have a claim on a man or something mm-hmm. or maybe her her backup just what is like clearly not available now so she needs to rethink things that's a but, good point mm-hmm. i hadn't thought about the rachel component of it all because it was so busy in that scene with luke's mm-hmm. you know so much going on but i think you're super right that to see rachel like that and in that position of, like, she got Luke to do something he didn't want to do through her, mm-hmm. like, sweet talk and meds, which is questionable. Uh, <laughs> that, like, we've only ever seen Lorelai be able to do that. So I definitely think that could make her feel a bit insecure and want to think, like, who's a person that I could have that sway over or who would, like, give me that confidence because mm-hmm. I could, like, be with someone, you know, again. Um, and I think we could say something similar about Lor- about Rory and how she approaches Tristan later on to you. Yeah, that's true. Should we cover the Lorelai stuff first and then go to the party or? 
Yeah, yeah, I think yeah, that sounds good. And we get to go to Sookie's first, so that makes it fun. Yeah. (laughs) So Lane and Rory supposedly go off to the party and we'll catch up with them later, but Lorelai goes to Sookie's house, which seems kind of out of the blue at first. Mm -hmm. (laughs) And Sookie and Jackson are having quite the night. Um, Jackson is cooking for Sookie, which, as you can imagine, is putting Suki a little bit on edge, you might say. <laughs> yeah, for her to be out of control, she feels yeah. like so powerless and it's so funny. <laughs> She's like watching through a crack in the door and <laughs> yelling suggestions to Jackson. She has a dishwasher diagram. <laughs> I thought a lot of this actually kind of brought me back to my idea that Suki might be somebody we could read as on the autism spectrum because she does have such clear like ways that she likes to have things done in her own house that Mm -hmm. bring her peace Mm -hmm. um and make her feel um kind of like it's her foundation in her own house that Mm -hmm. these things are done this way which could also kind of problematize what jackson is doing with pushing that out like Mm -hmm. and like putting her in such distress but at we also like kind of see it like she consented to this mm-hmm. so it's it's just kind of a maybe a obstacle that she needs to get past mm-hmm. um for their relationship to move forward and combine their different yeah um routines and stuff but. yeah that's yeah that's really interesting with to read it like that and it does problem problematize the scene more because I hadn't been really thinking through that lens. I'd been more thinking about like Suki as the professional professional chef and how it kind of flips like what you often might expect of like the woman's places in the kitchen. Yet when it comes to like professional chefs, that's actually a quite masculine field, which is just so messed up, right? So I love that when they have in the show, the professional chef is Suki in charge of everything successful career fantastic at what she does so it's like funny for then jackson to though he is the like the masculine person in their relationship he's the one who has to like force his way into the kitchen and be like let me cook for you kind of like a reversal of some gender norms in a way Mm -hmm. um that then i i was thinking like oh it's so funny that she's so worked up about this because he's trying like as he's saying like he's like this is a nice gesture. You're supposed to be relaxed and drink wine. Damn it, Suki. This is supposed to be romantic. And I'm going to cook and I'm going to clean. It's like the complete opposite of Rory and Dean before, right? When Rory was True. like, I have to like do the woman thing of cooking and cleaning. So I liked that reading that through like the gender and like professional lens. But mm-hmm. I think yours complicates that reading and brings a bit more nuance to it. Yeah. I mean, I still absolutely enjoyed the scene and I love their relationship. So I'm not like problematizing Mm -hmm. it, you know, to say that Suki and Jax's relationship is bad Mm because I think it's the the opposite of that. I think it's like them stepping forward into something. Mm -hmm. But this (laughs) this was a great scene. We interrupt this podcast with a message from our sponsor. Early birds get the worm or in this case, the pancakes. Come to Luke's Diner before 7 a.m. and meet up with all the other early morning (laughs) go-getters. At Luke's, we offer a homey dining experience complete with rules about cell phones at the table 
and reminders to eat your vegetables. And we've recently been refreshed with a dab of new paint. For our early risers, we have a special deal that those who wake up after 9 on a Saturday just don't get. Mention Talking Fast Podcast to Luke and get a personalized lecture about how listening to podcasts ruins our ability to cultivate real friendships, as if you've ever had one. But even better, you'll get endless coffee and a few extra blueberries in your pancakes because we all know Luke likes a good rant first thing in the morning. So come on in and take a seat wherever you can find one. Luke's is always packed early in the morning. And enjoy the view of Stars Hollow Square as the sun peeks over the horizon. And don't forget, mention Talking Fast for endless coffee and extra blueberries with a side of cynicism. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply we find out strangely that the only reason Lorelai is there is to ask to borrow Suki's car which (laughs) seems super random of course we have no idea what she's using it for right 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 um she's very cryptic about it she's kind of like how Rory was at the beginning Mm -hmm. just not giving any information but we find out that she is heading to Max's apartment I don't remember he must live in Hartford I guess where Chilton is right and he has like a garden level apartment which was surprising to Mm -hmm. me yeah the teacher's salary (laughs) that's a great point actually (laughs) it was still really nice though yeah yeah it was but she knocks on the knocks on the door or rings the doorbell or whatever and Max opens the door they see each other she she kind of gives a bit of an explanation, like talking about how Rory had brought it up earlier, about how long it takes to get over somebody, and Lorelai realized she couldn't give Rory a timeline because she wasn't over Max. Mm-hmm. And so basically she's just saying that she missed Max, mm-hmm. and he invites her in. Yes, and at this point it cuts to other scenes, they're doing some very dramatic cuts to, like, escalate things. Mm-hmm. I thought in, like, a fun way it was very dramatic. <laughs> but yeah. um, it cuts to them making out is the next scene we see between them. And, like, definite like, making out. It's very steamy. Mm-hmm. And they keep trying to, like, talk, but then they start to kiss again. I thought it was fun. Like, it, yeah. it was showing how <laughs> torn they are, honestly. Very horny as well. <laughs> but also very, like, intellectual trying to figure out their like issues and their relationship uh but so like max like sets them down there's like a coffee table in between him he's like okay stop we gotta like talk about this and they talk a bit but they ultimately like say you know we're still us and nothing's changed you coming here is probably a bad idea and they kind of just like look at each other and then he says screw this (laughs) He knocks this entire little coffee table out between them. And they will stand up and start making out again. (laughs) So dramatic and romantic. (laughs) It was. Honestly, it's like that, like, the epitome of the heat of the moment. Mm -hmm. And it's like, 
it's that line between it's gonna it was like almost slightly it was over the top but it wasn't too over over the top you know mm-hmm. like if he'd like There's thrown like... her on a table i'd be like okay tone it back but this was just the right amount of like he could care less about his belongings right now he's just so taken over by his lust and maybe passion or love for lorelei too mm-hmm. strangely enough i had my rory's bookshelf was it one of the books that that got knocked off the table (laughs) no it was Lorelai randomly saying or saying her showing up was kind of like ding dong Avon lady calling oh (laughs) and I know that this is a cultural reference Mm -hmm. at large like Avon ladies and um that whole uh multi-level marketing scheme that is still happening but (laughs) what it reminded me of is um Edward Scissorhands. I don't oh. know if you've ever seen that. Yes, movie. I have. <laughs> but the mother in that is an Avon lady, and oh, so okay. she goes around like at the beginning of the movie, doing Avon lady calling, and that's the whole way that she finds Edward Scissorhands up in the castle yeah. is because she just wants to make that last sale, and she hasn't gone to this abandoned castle. I wonder if anyone has ever analyze that movie through like the politics of MLMs you know like she felt so you know she was probably down line so far and she really needed to make a certain number of sales that month so she had to go risk her life at the scary house and like (laughs) (laughs) that's so true that'd be a great example Mm -hmm. but that's that's what that reminded me of and I couldn't there weren't very many other things I did a pretty out of the box Rory's bookshelf as well later on so I had a similar experience this episode so the next time we're back with Lorelai and Max is post coitus they uh are naked in bed that classic scene um and again they're just trying to talk about what's gonna happen next Mm -hmm. um Lorelai says that they'll go home and eventually buy some soup which is very accurate i guess probably Mm -hmm. that will happen someday but they end the conversation with i think a pretty good suggestion from max was Mm -hmm. which is that they have just like a phone relationship for now and call each other often and talk about their relationship which Mm -hmm. i think is a good compromise because obviously they can't have the physical relationship that they want because rory's still his student Mm -hmm. um also, if they try to just go on dates, it's not like they could contain themselves according to yeah. these scenes. <laughs> so I thought that was a pretty good compromise. Yeah, yeah. I think we see from these, like, pretty sexy scenes that they can't, like, keep their hands off each other, basically. So I thought the the phone thing was a very good, um, like you said, a good suggestion from Max. It seemed very mature, and it could allow them to develop <clears throat> that uh, another, like, emotional side of their relationship which I do think they had like when they started to date they had great Mm -hmm. conversations that we saw very witty and whatnot but it does allow them to keep in touch without you know jumping back into something that would just go the way it did before I think so I liked that resolution it gives Rory a chance to move up to the next grade (laughs) and potentially not be Max's student anymore which would be great (laughs) Yeah, but I think that is the last of 
Lorelai for this episode until the very mm-hmm. end. So we can return to our uh, Rory uh, and Lane going to the Shulton party. And I don't know if we mentioned uh, when Rory had asked Lorelai if she can take the car, if she can go to the party. Lorelai was like, why do you want to go to a Chilton party? But she didn't say no. She was uh, like pretty encouraging of Rory. And she did suggest, though, why don't you take Lane in case like it you so you can have a friendly face with you, basically. Mm-hmm. I thought that was like fantastic advice from Lorelai. Mm-hmm. And I it gave Rory such like a comfort zone and like a safety zone at the party to know like Lane was always there for her. It was like such smart advice from Lorelai there. <laughs> Yeah, I kind of want to know what they told Mrs. Kim. Yeah. But <laughs> probably that it was going to be a sleepover or something. But but they did get the pass to go, which is great. Mm-hmm. And they show up at the party. The first people we see are um, the Madeline and Louise and Paris. There, Lane also did mention that the whole party looks like a teenage Sodom and Gomorrah. <laughs> Yeah, which is almost my Rory's bookshelf because that's a great reference. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's just a bunch of people. So like, it doesn't really seem like there's alcohol. Nobody seems really drunk, mm-hmm. and we don't see it happen. Like, see kegs or anything like that. So it seems kind of like a tame, yeah, tame party as far as they go. <laughs> right, or like what was, what were they allowed to show on the show? Mm-hmm. I don't know because it definitely. I definitely think Madeline and Louise and that crowd would be underage drinking, if not more, <laughs> like so much yeah, at this party. If we get a sense of anything from like Logan and his friends later on, like you're not telling me they were just doing that at Yale, you know, <laughs> like they have no repercussions due to their privilege. So, mm-hmm. but anyway, that's true. <laughs> <laughs> um, I thought it was like a fun setup of different little moments. The whole Rory and Lane navigating this completely different social world. Another fun fact that they discover is Paris is only there. I guess this is not a fun fact. This is a sad fact. Paris has been forced to go by her mom because she's saying she's not enough of like a people person and she has to stay until 1030, which is like the opposite of a curfew. (laughs) Paris has been told she needs to stay out late basically and can't come home sooner. I felt for her in that moment of having this parent who is really forcing her to be something that she's not. I don't know. It's just like, what would Paris be like if she had a more supportive parent, if she was allowed mm-hmm. to just stay home? Because a lot of her characteristics are, we associate with her are like very like angry and things like that. And it's like, what if some of those sources of her anger were removed? Um, I think she'd have a very different like life. Yeah, I agree. Poor poor Paris should never be forced to go to a party. And I think we've kind of made almost similar points with Lorelai pressuring Rory to go to parties and mm-hmm. stuff in the past, but it's never been to this degree. Like, if if Rory really didn't want to go, like, to the dance, for example, Lorelai would have left it. Yeah. And it wouldn't have been a problem. But poor Paris. I did think it was a good indication of their changing relationship that once Madeline and Louise left Mm -hmm. Rory told Paris that she and Dean had broken up yeah and Paris kind of said she was sorry to hear that and that kind of stuff Mm -hmm. but I thought it was really interesting that she didn't want to say in front of Madeline and Louise who were the people that 
Lorelai originally thought were more friendly towards her. Mm-hmm. Um, I think it's just another step on the Rory and Paris friendship, which is a great one. <laughs> I agree completely. Uh, while Rory and Paris are having a conversation, um, they witness this fight between Summer and Tristan, and it is worth noting that Summer gets a name in this episode. Like, we just saw them making Mm -hmm. out last episode. And this was actually my Lorelai's Closet nomination was Summer's Dress. Mm -hmm. I thought it was cute. Uh, So it was, like, a royal blue dress, um, spaghetti straps, and it had kind of, like, a clear netting. Or what would you describe that fabric as at the top do you remember like a mesh mesh yeah but it that mesh had like blue flowers embroidered on it Mm -hmm. and then at the very end you see later on it goes about to like her knees and there's a couple like ruffles at the end but they're like loose I don't know I just liked the dress and it was (laughs) I liked summer more too actually I think probably because she was, like, just antagonizing Tristan so much, which I loved. She's, like, she was apparently caught by Tristan in the bathroom with another guy. And she's, like, why do you care? Why are you giving me such a hard time? She calls Tristan a caveman and asks if he's going to hit her with a club and drag her back to his Porsche. Like, I just love that she was calling out Tristan so much. And she was just, like, basically she just you know she wants to make out with the guys she wants to make out with last time Mm -hmm. it was Tristan this time it's Austin I support that side of her personality more than like her being rude to Paris earlier so I was like you know what you go girl she breaks up with him later I'm I'm like a summer fan I think this episode at least yeah Yeah, I agree I think she was like making a lot of great points about how possessive Tristan is how Tristan like kept insisting on calling her his girlfriend we kind of get the idea that maybe Summer didn't want to be his girlfriend she just Mm -hmm. wanted to hook up with him right but Tristan obviously had different plans for them (laughs) so yeah Mm -hmm. I liked that she humiliated him basically in front of everybody Mm -hmm. which I had to (laughs) I had to wrestle with myself for a couple minutes um in a similar way that Rory does later which I'll talk about Mm -hmm. but Like, part of me wanted to feel bad for Tristan Mm -hmm. because we're giving him this sympathetic moment and everything. But looking back at all the things he's done to Rory and just who he is, like, if he learned from this moment, that would be good. Mm -hmm. Yeah. (laughs) But I don't necessarily think he does, and so I don't feel that bad for him. Mm -hmm. He's been a terrible person, so. Yeah, I think they... Did they want us to feel sympathetic for him? I think so. I think so. They show him at, like, the piano, like, alone in a room mm-hmm. on a piano, looking very forlorn and very emo boy. <laughs> he, I just like, what a drama queen. Like, he's just creating such a scene for himself for, like, Rory to stumble. Just this, like, very mm-hmm. beautiful image of him just at the piano, tinkling on the keys. <laughs> My Friday night dinner moment was in the conversation that Rory and Tristan had in the piano room. So Tristan is there just plunking on keys and looking all sad boy and everything. Mm-hmm. Rory comes up and then Tristan apologizes to Rory for being a dick to her, which is good. He should do that. Yeah. And this is my qualm 
Rory says, that's okay. And Tristan says, it is. And Rory says, well, no, but you're sad. (laughs) And so this is what I wanted to critique. And I think it's something that women are often expected to do. And I had just caught myself doing it for Tristan as well, like Mm -hmm. wanting to feel bad for him because he was sad. Um, But that doesn't and it shouldn't erase the bad things that he's done in the past. And I think Rory here is forgetting how terrible he's been to her just because she doesn't want to see somebody in pain. Mm -hmm. Um, And also because she's probably projecting her own pain onto that as well. Yeah. Um, And I think that, yeah, this is expected of women oftentimes going back to the bachelor (laughs) Um, but a lot of the time we see like contestants telling sob stories and stuff and that's supposed to be the thing that makes the other person attracted to them Mm -hmm. and I think it's often just like the woman wanting to or the the expectation that women want to comfort and like make everything okay um and I don't like it (laughs) that we shouldn't be expected to do that for dicks like Tristan even if he's cute (laughs) right or like the impulse to accommodate or smooth over Mm -hmm. to not be difficult like take up as little space and make as little trouble as possible I definitely do see that present in Rory's like weird acceptance I think of the apology I really wondered if she actually accepted the apology like if the next day if she would feel like she did forgive him Mm -hmm. and I thought his apology was fairly like half-assed too like yeah he said I'm sorry for giving you a hard time so he does kind of like show an awareness of like what he did it wasn't just like a blanket statement but I mean that's like just the bare minimum of like Mm -hmm. yeah I give you a hard time no other words about like I don't know it's just yeah yeah you can kind of like hear in in the implied second clause of that sentence Mm -hmm. Sorry, I gave you a hard time. It's just because I like you. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And that's not acceptable anymore. We don't, we're not okay with that. Yeah. And I honestly think that, again, I'm not going to like try to psychoanalyze Rory or anything, but I think my theory, personal theory, you know, she go, she's looking for Tristan. She knows he just got dumped. Mm-hmm. She, I think like, Part of it might be identifying with his pain, like feeling like he's in a similar situation to her. But I also think she's going to him because she knows he's the person that has like wanted her this entire time, (laughs) aggressively so. But in this moment of just reeling from her pain and like the way that she phrases like explaining to Tristan that she's been broken up with, she's like, it was Dean's decision. He seemed firm in his decision. I feel like she's feeling unwanted. Uh, or like discarded or not enough and all of these things and so it's like this impulse to feel like this is the guy I could just go to and he's gonna want me instantly (laughs) and I think she wants that kiss and she pulls away from it because I think of course like she and reckons eventually with the fact like this is not what she wants like it was probably like that immediate like okay this is like the gratification someone wants me we're kissing and then the reward or the feeling she expected was not like safety or comfort or you know (laughs) treasured to be treasured but like oh this is just another dude I'm kissing I still miss my like boyfriend it's too soon I'm gonna go home and cry (laughs) like 
yeah mm-hmm. that was my reading of this whole thing yeah it it's probably also only the second person she's ever kissed so yeah. all of her making out experience has been with dean and here she's like experiencing a different sensation i yeah. guess um so it might shock her but you know yeah all hatred aside i did think their first kiss was a more easy kiss to watch than mm-hmm. her first kiss with dean but again i think that's really just part of the territory of like this is not her first kiss completely <laughs> Yeah, overall, hated it. (laughs) Yeah, this actually, I was briefly thinking about, like, Rory, um, as we, like, we're along with her at such a young age to experience a lot of these firsts with her. I was thinking just the other day about how, like, Dean was her first, like, sex encounter. That sounded so clinical. (laughs) She had sex with Dean for the first time. And then I think the only other person we see throughout the series is with Logan, right? Until the Mm -hmm. revival. And I just was like, you know, I am team Logan, but I just have to think like, I really think that was probably much of an improvement in her sex life to go from (laughs) Dean to Logan. Like there's not such emotional Mm -hmm. baggage there either, but I, you know, he's been around. I feel like he probably showed her a good time, but anyways. Yeah. He's had practice for many years, whereas (laughs) Dean, (laughs) probably not. Yeah. He's also... Anyway, we'll get to that. I'll dial it back. I was watching some YouTube (laughs) interviews with Matt Zucri. I learned how to say his name. The C is silent. Zucri. I had no idea. I've been a fan this entire time, and it was just that easy to just remove the C at the start. But (laughs) I'll dial it back. (laughs) (laughs) Well, you have more seasons with him than I'll have with Jess. So That doesn't make me feel good, though, you know? (laughs) Uh, But that's what it is, I suppose. (laughs) (laughs) So... In the meantime, when all of this is happening with Rory and Tristan, Lane is having a great time. It starts out, though, with her um, freaking out because, as she says, the only other Korean guy at the party has his Korean radar on. (laughs) And so he's found Lane. um, And she's freaking out because Henry is somebody that her parents might actually approve of. And after they've danced for the entire night, (laughs) um, Lane actually really likes him as well. Um, So this is a threat to her ability to rebel. (laughs) Yeah, I thought this was an interesting component of the episode. It helps us, I think, sort out a few things we've questioned before about Lane Mm -hmm. and her the various different Korean boys that she dates. And we've kind of questioned, like, why is she always, like, so against them? Are they all really, truly, like, super boring? We've questioned, like, the representation of Korean guys. We've questioned, like, just the writing in general of, like, isn't it, like, really lazy or just not nuanced to say they're all just the same kind of boring guy mm-hmm. she's not into? So I loved first that, like, this goes against Lane's own expectations. Like, she does, like, want to avoid him, but then she is totally surprised to know that she really likes him and that he's appealing to her but she also had this I like as you pointed out she is very much like this is a guy my parents would approve of and I immediately thought oh this is a parent problem this is a parent problem like she isn't she doesn't have like necessarily necessarily like an aversion to all of the guys she's going on dates with but it's more so her like 
feeling chafing against the restrictions of her parents and their rules and expectations. And I think she's really projecting on to the guys like that mm-hmm. whole her, you know, her issues that really need to be sorted out with her parents. Right. But I totally get the whole rebelling against your parents. I totally get the whole not <laughs> wanting to date someone your parents like. Like that's such a classic trope because uh, mm-hmm. he's cute he's funny he studies to be a doctor he's involved in church he speaks korean he's perfect for her family which is so funny because she's like yeah how can i date <laughs> someone who's perfect <laughs> i also like that this is we've seen her attempt to have connections with guys before mm-hmm. and all of them have kind of been disastrous yeah. but i really liked their little uh romance it mm-hmm. reminded me of 10 things i hate about you mostly just because of the party Mm. yeah she was more confident with him and maybe it could be due to the fact that she's like I'll give you one dance and I'm not interested in you and Mm -hmm. that allowed her to not even have the crush stage immediately because we've seen a lot of her like nerves come in when she does have crushes on people so I like that she was really just more confident Um, I like that Rory checked in on her because they'd said, Mm -hmm. like, Rory will pretend to be sick, basically. And she's like, no, I think you just have allergies, like, uh, saying Mm -hmm. that Rory does not need to interrupt. So I liked their support system that they had throughout that party, too. Yeah, even at the very end, like, Lane clearly wants to stay and dance more with Henry, but she leaves because Rory's the top priority. Mm -hmm. Just another instance of their great friendship. (laughs) Yeah, Henry does get her phone number, so we do get the potential for something more to happen. She said, he doesn't get the exact number. She's like, you can look up my name, Kim, and Stars Hollow. We're the only one. Which I think is just funny because you imagine, like, New York City, thousands of Kims in the phone book probably, Mm -hmm. if not more, versus Stars Hollow, whitest town ever, only one last name of Kim in the town. (laughs) Yeah, it's also a great retro throwback to phone books. Seriously. (laughs) Which I don't even, I think that they are still distributed, but I haven't lived in a house for many years, so Mm -hmm. obviously don't get them. But I don't think many people even have landlines anymore, so this thing wouldn't wouldn't work anymore. But we also have much easier ways of exchanging phone numbers these days. It's true. One thing before (laughs) leaving the party recap my Rory's Bookshelf nomination was in the midst of all of the different things we've discussed. And it's not really a book or anything like that, more so an action. Um, I'm nominating Rory reading in the middle of this party. <laughs> uh, she goes and finds a quiet room, a really comfy looking chair. And I didn't actually even see like what book it was, mm-hmm. but she just starts reading. And I respect this like book nerd dedication. And (laughs) it reminded me of Richard, too, earlier when he kind of left the party, her birthday party, to go read on the porch. Um, And in general, like, I would say I identify with this not completely because I am, I would say, like, I can be fairly extroverted when it comes to, like, small groups of my friends. Like, these days, I don't go to, like, huge parties like this. But if we were to have gatherings, like, I like to go talk to my friends. I wouldn't just, like, start reading in the middle of, like, a gathering of my friends. But, mm-hmm. like, if I was in a place where I didn't really have control or, like, I don't know. I It made me think back to, like, when I was younger um, and I had to go to, like, a lot of different daycares because both of my parents worked. But I was, like, to the point where I was almost in junior high 
And one summer, I was kind of annoyed with my parents that they wouldn't let me just stay home alone. This was, like, the last year I went to, like, a summer camp before, you know, the next year I got to just, I was old enough to stay home. And so as, like, protests that I was so annoyed I had to just go to this new summer camp, I just started to read, like, the entire time. Because, uh, like, my younger sisters went to the daycare. But in the summer, they had, like, a group for older kids. And it was basically just, like, you would just hang out around, like, there weren't really events or anything. So I just like sat in this chair and just read for a long time. (laughs) I was like, I'm not making new friends. I don't want to be here. I'm just going to read. But I did eventually end up making friends because that was the summer that everyone had like a DS and everyone had either Mario Kart or the game Nintendogs. So we'd either like race each other or we would like have our dogs meet up so I eventually made friends but I did use reading to ignore other people as a coping mechanism at one point in my life so I liked this (laughs) I have no idea what those games are but I I have also used reading as a coping mechanism and I still do Mm -hmm. but when I transferred to a new high school for my senior year I had I think I feel like we talked about this I had a whole bunch of free periods because Mm. my new school had less requirements Mm. but I had to stay on campus so I just sit in the library and I at at that time also I refused to make new friends because it was my last year of high school yeah I was pissed at my parents Mm -hmm. (laughs) I'm also not very (laughs) extroverted in any way so making friends is hard Mm -hmm. but I just sat for all my free periods, which sometimes would be five out of the seven hours of the school day. Oh, my God. In the library reading, I probably read, like, 200 books that year or something. I just, like, went through all of them. So did you have, you know, it sounds like you had your free periods and then PE. For like, those the only... Yep. <laughs> that was your schedule. Yeah. I had to take English. And one semester, I took a math class. And then I took choir. And that I, I'm pretty sure that was it. I'd fulfilled everything else. <laughs> it was, it was weird. <laughs> okay, our final scene of the episode: Rory and Lorelai get back together, and this last scene was my Stars Hollow moment as well. It's like a sadder one than I would typically pick for the whole cozy aesthetic, but I think mm-hmm. it's a, like a very important piece of the coziness and the warmness of Gilmore Girls is that support system that Lorelai Mm -hmm. and Rory have for each other it just feels like to witness them together their like closeness is so it can just be so beautiful sometimes and I thought this scene was really well done it I liked the like the parallelism of it too like the previous episode had been Rory saying like we broke up and Lorelai like silently going to hug her and now this is uh, Rory she's like sitting on the couch looking really sad with like the biggest tub of ice cream I've ever seen yeah. and she says I'm ready to wallow now so it's parallel both mm-hmm. because it's like the theme that's been going through this episode but also I thought with like the way the last one ended because Lorelai just like silently goes up to her sits next to her puts a pillow on her lap and tells Rory to like lean over and cry she's kind of like rubbing her she kisses her at one point Um, And then she doesn't even say anything to Rory, but she goes to order pizza um, and, like, with all of the toppings. And I just thought it was so quintessential, like, their relationship. And to think, like, 
I'm sad for Rory in this moment, but this is there's like no better way for her to be comforted, comforted, I think, than like Lorelai. She just knows like what to do and like that's mm-hmm. so sweet. Yeah, I also thought it was really great to see we've never really I guess maybe when in the beginning when Rory and Dean had just started going out and Max and Lorelai had just started going out, but we've never really seen them both be in happy relationships at the same time yet Mm. maybe a little bit here and there but this is like right after a huge moment in Lorelai's relationship Mm -hmm. with Max and I'm sure she's like still on cloud nine when she walks in the door that's a good point um but she sees Rory in this state and just like automatically turns into comforting mode Mm -hmm. and she doesn't mention anything about max she like realizes that it's not the right time yeah i liked (laughs) i liked this moment it was very sad i'm also astounded that ben and jerry's comes in a size larger than a pint (laughs) i've never seen him as more than a pint and that was like a gallon (laughs) i know how much would that have cost because ben and jerry's is expensive in my opinion like my parents would never let me buy like pints of ice cream like Ben and Jerry's because they were like it's not a good value you should get like Mm -hmm. the full size of a less cool brand which I mean don't get me wrong I'm sounding angry now because of course (laughs) I wanted Ben and Jerry's right but the other ice cream is perfectly delicious it's just like yeah and how much would that take up in their freezer too like it was like a gallon of ice cream I have like we rent, you know, and often when you're renting, you don't get a choice of what your fridge is. And our, like, freezer is not big enough at all for two people at where I live. And I'm just like, if we had that gallon of ice cream, we wouldn't have anything else in our freezer. Yeah. They probably just have the two gallons of ice cream and mm-hmm. then those, what, frozen pizza bites or whatever they've gotten. <laughs> and that's, like, the only food that they have. Yeah, pretty much. That sounds about right. <laughs> But I guess we'll see what happens next next week, obviously. Mm-hmm. Uh, but we'll see how Max and Lorelai are going. And Yeah, I'm curious to see where this goes because we're in the portion of the season that I have no memory of, I'm discovering. <laughs> so it's always new and exciting for me every week. <laughs> There's like one scene that I'm sure happens soon. But other than that, yeah, I can't remember. I'm just a blank until Jess shows up next <laughs> next season, right. which will be great. <laughs> yeah. So listeners, if you are, you know, following along the season with us, this is a sign that you should send a gazebo moment sooner rather than later, because if you're like us, you might forget it really fast. Uh, so you can send that gazebo moment to our email talkingfastpodcast at gmail.com and we welcome a voice memo or a typed up typed up like a written message as well so we can include that in a season finale kind of episode as we retrospectively look back on all of season one and you can also follow us on instagram at talkingfastpodcast And if you want to, you can comment on our gazebo moment posts on Instagram with your gazebo moments to be included in that episode as well. Perfect. Well, I'm going to go get some ice cream. (laughs) See you next week. (laughs) See you next time.